Now, in this series, we've been exploring how a young man who is a part owner of a fisherman business uh, from a relatively obscure town rose up to become a rock upon which Jesus built his worldwide movement. It began when Jesus called a young man named Simon and he gave him a nickname, Peter, which means rock. And he called Peter to become a part of his movement. And Peter did become a key leader in that movement. He rose up and he became the rock that God could see in him. And so Peter led this movement that Jesus started. There was a movement of love and faith in the face of the Roman Empire's movement. There was a movement of violence and fear. And what's so amazing is that Jesus' movement still moves on today. While the Roman Empire's movement crumbled centuries ago. Why is that? Because thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, just like Simon Peter, have risen up to live their purpose and to become who God sees in them. And my mantra throughout this series has been, God sees something in you too. God sees a rock in you. He sees strengths in you. And he's calling us all to rise up during these days and to become who he sees in us. And I think as we do that, as we begin to fulfill our purpose, it gives us a meaningful life. And I think it's so critical that during times, especially times like this, that we rise up and become who God sees in us. Now, some of you in this series, you may be thinking something like, you know, Pastor Brent, I mean, that Simon Peter story, it really is amazing. I mean, uh, he was this unknown guy, just a normal guy from a normal town who did become one of the most influential leaders in human history. And that's a great story, but Pastor Brent, <laughs> I just don't see that in me. I mean, I'm not like Peter. I'm never gonna do anything like that. And, and let me just say, if that's what you're thinking, well, you're right. You're not Peter. God didn't create you to be Peter but he did create you to be you. And there are unique ways that you can change this world that even Peter can't change. And that's why it's important for us to rise up and become the people that God sees in us. And so, sometimes rising up and living your purpose, it's not always about like what Peter did, which, which is to start a movement that becomes a worldwide movement. Sometimes rising up simply means hundreds and hundreds of little actions, little acts of love, little acts of kindness, little acts of faith, little acts of sacrifice, and taking some risk in your life, that when you string together all of those little acts, it creates the story of your life. And I'm calling you not to settle for making a living. I'm calling for you to make a life. And you do that as you rise up and live your purpose by becoming who God sees in you. Now, last week, we looked at an embarrassing part of Simon Peter's story. And so I want to bring us back to that moment in his journey. If you remember, shortly before Jesus was arrested, he predicted that all of his core disciples would abandon him. Peter, in response, predicted that he would never abandon Jesus. In fact, he predicted that he would even die with Jesus. Jesus responded to that by predicting that Peter would deny even knowing him three times. Well, once Jesus was arrested, 
And some people who were there in the crowd gathering around watching the proceedings, Peter was there too. Some people in the crowd asked Peter if he was a follower of Jesus. And if you remember what happened, three times he was asked if he was a follower of Jesus and three times he denied even knowing Jesus. And on the third time, Jesus could see him and he could see Jesus' eyes. And when he denied knowing Jesus a third time, he saw the inherent weakness of his own self-perceived strength and he wept bitterly. Something broke in Simon that day. He experienced a deep kind of brokenness in his failure. But what I want us to remember is that when Jesus predicted that uh, Peter would deny him three times, if you remember, he also predicted that after Peter failed, that he would rise up and return. And he asked Peter to help the others who abandoned him to rise up too. And what I want us to, to remember about this, uh, that part of Peter's story is that even in failure, Jesus was for him. Even when Simon Peter failed his Lord, Jesus was for him. And Peter needed to experience in that part, uh, that place of brokenness, he needed to experience a kind of restoration and healing. And so he came to Jesus. You know, Jesus, when I say he's for us, Jesus, he wants to restore us and heal us in our brokenness. And sometimes when you experience healing and restoration in a broken place, it becomes stronger than it was before. Now, back when I was a pastor in Virginia, one of the ways that I liked to connect with uh, men in my community was to play basketball in our church's gym. And so I would open it up and we'd play just for hours, one day a week, uh, one night a week. <clears throat> anyway, one night we were playing ball and one of the balls got loose and I ran after a ball. There was a guy ahead of me going for the ball too. And he went down to get the ball. I tried to jump over him to get the ball. And when I did that, my leg got pinned against his body, but my body uh, weight carrying me over. And you know how your knee goes like this? Well, my knee went like that. It went sideways. And I heard this loud snap and, oh, it hurt so bad. I was rolling around on the ground in agony. It hurt so bad. And of course, you know, because I'm a man, I couldn't cry. And because I'm a pastor, I couldn't cuss. Uh, but it, it, was just, it was just so painful. Anyway, I finally got up, iced, iced it down, and eventually went to an orthopedic surgeon. And he told me that I had completely uh, torn my ACL ligament. And he said, I was going to need surgery to restore it. And so he told me he was going to take a little chip off my kneecap, slit the tendon that, that connects your kneecap to your lower leg, and he was going to chip a little piece of bone off my lower leg, slit that tendon, and he was going to use that to make a new ligament. And this is what he told me. He told me once the surgery was completed and once the grafts had taken, and, uh, that, and once I went through the rehab, he said that new tendon would be stronger than the ligament ever was. In other words, I became stronger in a broken place. The great American novelist, um, Ernest Hemingway, experienced firsthand the ravages and brokenness of World War I. And he made a profound observation about the life experiences and how they break us and what can come of it. He said, the world breaks us or kills us 
the ones who survive will be stronger in the broken places. Restoration heals us in our broken places and makes us stronger. Restoration heals our broken places and makes us stronger. And that's just what Simon Peter needed. In his brokenness, he needed restoration. And so after Jesus was arrested and crucified and after he came back to life, Jesus met with his disciples on numerous occasions. And on one of those occasions, they had finished eating a meal together and Jesus initiated a conversation of restoration. This is John chapter 21, verse 15. <clears throat> when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Peter replied. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said again, feed my sheep. The third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him for a third time. Do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus replied again, feed my sheep. Now I want to make a couple of, uh, I think, significant observations from this conversation. First, I want us to address why Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. I mean, doesn't it seem a little bit insensitive? I mean, he answered the first time and the second time, and it, it feels a little bit insensitive, right? In fact, the, the text tells us that Peter was hurt by Jesus asking, asking him three times, do you love me? And I think a part of that is because Simon Peter grew up in a religious culture that tended to shame people and punish people who had fallen and who had failed. And I think he felt that that may be what Jesus was doing. By three times asking him over and over, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And so he, he thought, well, maybe Jesus is shaming me. But that's not what Jesus was doing. The reason Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? It wasn't to hurt Peter. It was to heal Peter. You see, three times publicly, Peter had denounced even knowing Jesus. And so now Jesus gives him the opportunity three times in front of other people to express his love for Jesus. And on that third time when he says, when he said, Lord, you know, I love you. He experienced a kind of restoration. Restoration heals our broken places and makes us stronger. And this aspect of Jesus' movement is so crucial. Jesus created a, a culture of restoration in his movement. That means Jesus did not call perfect people to follow him. And it means he doesn't expect the people who follow him to be perfect. Instead, Jesus called flawed people to follow him. And he knew that there would be times. He knew that there would be times when we would fail him, when we would make mistakes, when we would fall, and at times even when we would deny him through our actions or our words or even our neglect. But there is always room for restoration. No matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, I want you to hear me on this. 
There is always room for restoration in Jesus' movement. And this aspect of Jesus' movement is so critical. And, and, and at City Church, we provide a place, a safe community of grace where all kinds of people with all kinds of failures and all kinds of brokenness can gather with us to pursue the healing and restoration that we all need. And this is so important to who we are as a church because I know, I've heard some of your stories. I know that some of you grew up and, and experienced some church leaders and even some church cultures that tended to shame people when they made mistakes and when they failed or they punished people when they failed. And it left, left you with a, a bitter feeling toward the church. You see, some churches focus on people's failures. City church focuses on people's healing and restoration. And so city church, I'm calling on you to help me protect this culture of grace so that people can experience the restoration that we all need. And if you have ever been hurt or shamed by another church leader or a church culture when you failed, as a leader in Jesus' movement, I apologize. Please forgive us. Jesus is not that way. That's not the way he is. And that is not the way his movement is. Jesus' movement is filled with grace and it's a place where all people can find restoration. You see, Jesus started what we like to call a messy movement. You see, you need a messy movement uh, for people who make mistakes, for people who do fail, for people who do deny Jesus at times. And so at City Church, we call ourselves a messy church and we're messy on purpose. But know this, we will come alongside you when you fail. We will come alongside you when you fall down and we will help you experience the healing and the restoration you need. And that's just what happened to Simon Peter. So that's a part of what's going on in, in that conversation, that conversation of restoration. But there's a second observation I want to make from the same conversation. And, I, it, and it relates to how Jesus responds to Peter when Peter tells him three times, you know, I love you, Lord, you know, I love you, you know, I love you. I mean, I'm expecting Jesus to respond by saying, then I forgive you for denying me. You know what I mean? I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, but that's not what he says. What does he say? You remember? He says, feed my sheep. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, what's, what's that all about? And so let me, let me unpack what that is. Uh, you see, Jesus is using that obviously as, as a metaphor. And in Jesus' day of all of the herding animals that they had in their culture, you know, they had cows, they had goats, and they had sheep. Sheep required the most care and attention to take care of. I mean, sheep had to be led to water. They had to be led to where there was food. They had to be led to shelter, and they had to be protected from uh, their enemies that would try to attack them. And so Jesus, throughout his ministry, used the metaphor of a good shepherd and sheep to picture his relationship with his followers. Jesus as the good shepherd and his followers as sheep. And so when Jesus is telling Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, he's letting him know I'm leaving this world. And so I'm going to need people like you to rise up and feed my sheep in your own unique way. He was getting Peter now focused. Once he experienced the restoration, he was getting Peter focused on his purpose in life. 
and he pictured it as feeding my sheep. Now, we all have a purpose in life and we have various kinds of purposes. I mean, we have purposes as spouses, uh, as parents, as children within the family structure. Uh, we have purposes as employers, employees, and students. We have, um, we have purposes even as citizens in our country or as neighbors in our community. But we also have a purpose in Jesus' movement. And it's critical that we experience our purpose in Jesus' movement. And as Peter was restored, Jesus pictured living his purpose as feeding my sheep in his own unique way. In the same way, a part of our restoration and part of being part of Jesus' movement is to find our own unique way to feed his sheep. But I want us to notice something else. The conversation doesn't end there. It continues. And I think there's another element that's so significant to living our purpose. And so this is John 21, verse 18, where Jesus continues and he says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. And you, you took care of yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you get old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would ultimately glorify God. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. Now, in Jesus' day, the phrase stretch out your hands was uh, a euphemistic way of referring to crucifixion. And so here Jesus is predicting that one day Peter would be led away to go where he doesn't want to go to be crucified just like Jesus. But what's so interesting here is in the first prediction that Jesus made about Peter, which is that you're going to deny knowing me three times, you're going to fail. This time he tells him, you're not going to fail. Your, your courage and your strength is going to be so strong that you're going to pursue your purpose to the point of death. And in fact, Peter pursued his purpose for decades. And for decades, he fed Jesus' sheep in his own unique way until he gave his life by living his purpose, just like Jesus gave his life for living his purpose. And as I was reading this passage and just meditating on it, I was thinking, how did Peter get such courage and faith and inner strength? And I think it comes from the most obvious uh, element in this passage. I mean, think about it with me. The person that, that Peter is eating with and talking with, the person who is restoring Peter was a dead man who came back to life. And that reality, the reality of the resurrection, and not only Jesus' resurrection, but by implication, Simon Peter's own resurrection. The resurrection gave Simon Peter the inner courage and strength and faith to rise up and fulfill his purpose in life. And think about what happened because Peter became the rock that God could see in him. A worldwide movement was birthed and it's a movement that not only impacted the Roman world, it impacts our world still today. His actions back then still impact people today. And so will yours. When you rise up and live your purpose, 
the actions that you do today will have lingering impact in the days to come and the years to come. But remember, it all began at a place where Peter came to Jesus and experienced restoration in his broken places because restoration heals our broken places and it makes us stronger than we were before. And I want to help some of us who need to experience that kind of restoration to do so today. And I think we can learn, learn how to experience restoration by looking at uh, Peter's story. The first thing we notice in Peter's story is that restoration takes community. You see, after Peter denied knowing Jesus, he ran away and wept bitterly. He could have avoided the people of faith who knew about his failure. Because that's sometimes what we do, isn't it? When we fail, we don't want to be around the people who, you know, who we want to look up to us. We feel embarrassed by our failure. So Peter could have just gone back to Galilee, back to his old business, could have left all of the people he knew, the people of faith that he knew. He could have gone away, but that's not what he did. The scriptures tell us that after he failed Jesus, he went back to the gathering place where the fathers of Jesus had gathered. We, we, we believe it was about 120 people and there for the next few days, he processed his brokenness and his failures in community, in community. Restoration takes community. And we all at times will fail. We will, we will make mistakes. And the temptation is to avoid the people of faith where we might feel embarrassed by what we have done. But I wanna to suggest to you that when you have failed, when you have fallen down, that's the time when you need spiritual friendships the most. We all need spiritual friends in our lives to uh, encourage us, to grow with us, but also at times to, to speak the truth to us, to confront us at times, and then, of course, to help us find healing and restoration when we need it. And th this reality, this truth, this important aspect of restoration, the, the need for community is why at City Church, one of our core values is courageously connecting. And we courageously connect with other people in what we call circles, which are small groups of people who gather to find freedom together. And so uh, obviously now with the pandemic, all of our gatherings, all of our groups, all of our circles are, are getting together digitally. But we still, especially during times like these, we need to get together and find restoration and grow together in community. And so I, I talked to our Connect pastor this week, Pastor Sherry Richard, and she told me we have all kinds of new circles getting ready to start this fall. We have all kinds of circles uh, to help you grow in your faith. We even have some circles designed specifically to help you find healing in your broken places. What I'm encouraging you to do and asking you to do is to uh, get into a circle that fits where you are in your spiritual journey at this time. I believe it's that critical. And please know, we will not embarrass you by any failures you have uh, experienced or any, any, uh, any kind of uh, brokenness you may have uh, experienced. We will not embarrass you. And instead, we're gonna help you. We're gonna walk through the journey with you. And please know, we've all failed too. And so you don't have to be embarrassed by anything you've done. We will help you find the healing and restoration that we all need. So restoration takes community. 
But restoration also takes humility. You see, when Peter denied knowing Jesus, not only could he felt tempted to avoid the people of faith, he also could have felt tempted to avoid uh, his relationship with the one he failed, his relationship with Jesus. He could have just hid. He could have just, you know, avoided dealing with what he had done, but he didn't. He came back to Jesus with his broken places. And when you fall, when you fail, I encourage you to do what Peter did. And that is to humble yourself, to admit it, and to come to Jesus for healing in your broken places. Don't deny what you did. Don't try to rename what you did. Don't try to justify what you've done. And don't try to numb your broken place. Humble yourself. You see, humility gives you the inner strength to deal with your broken places. Humble yourself and come back to Jesus. And I believe he will bring healing to your broken places. And that will make you stronger than you ever were before. Because restoration heals our broken places and makes us stronger. But not only that, restoration gives us clarity for living with purpose in life. And, and that Simon, that young man Simon, he did rise up to become Peter, the rock that God had always seen in him. And he rose up and the church movement exploded into human history. And if you want to read about this part of his story, the first 10 chapters in, a, the, in the Christian scriptures, uh, a book in the Christian scriptures called the book of Acts, the first 10 chapters tell the story of Simon rising up to become the rock that God had always seen in him. And that movement just continued to grow and to grow. And for three decades, Peter fed Jesus' sheep in his own unique way. And his influence grew and grew to the point where near the end of his life, he moved to the great city of Rome, which was the greatest city in the world at that time. And his influence grew there too. And his influence grew to the point where he became a threat to the Roman emperor Nero. So much of a threat that Nero eventually had him arrested and then crucified just like Jesus. But think of the implications of what happened with Simon's life. I mean, how does a, a relatively poor man from an unknown town with not much money, no political power, no formal education, become a leader who literally changed not only the Roman world, but has influenced our world today. How did he do that? He did it by becoming, by rising up and becoming the rock God could see in him. And he did change our world. And so I want to say to those of you who are right now rising up to fulfill your purpose, you're becoming the rocks that God sees in you. I want to say to you, well done. And I want to thank you for feeding his sheep in your own unique ways. And I pray that God will bless you, especially during these trying times, as you continue to find your own unique way to feed his sheep. I encourage you to know that you are changing our world in your own way, you are making a difference. What you're, what you're doing matters. And so I encourage you to keep on rising up. But some of you might say, you know, pastor, 
I'm struggling to rise up because I still have broken places in my life. If that's true of you, then I want to encourage you to experience restoration today. I want to ask you to bring your broken places to Jesus and let him heal you and restore you. And I promise you, if you will do that, you will be stronger in your broken places. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful that your son came to represent your love and your grace. And he created a movement that's filled with a culture of grace and restoration. And my prayer is for those who are listening to me today who have broken places, places of failure, places where they have fallen away, places where they have shrunk back, places where maybe they've even denied you. My prayer is that today that they would confess it. Right now, if you need to confess your broken place, speak it. Just say a word, say a phrase. What is your broken place? What have you done where you feel like you have failed the Lord? Just speak it and ask him to forgive you. And Father God, I ask you to forgive and to heal those who are asking for forgiveness right now. And I ask you to restore them and to heal them in their broken places and to make them stronger than they were before and to give them clarity about your purpose for their lives and help them to rise up in strength and in restoration to fulfill their purposes in life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.